Happy Sabbath, church. Oh, it sounds great to hear your voices, and uh, what a wonderful season it is. Thank you, Julie, for that beautiful song, and Nigeli for that song, and for the one before, I could have swore she had two sets of hands for that song. Maybe she did. All right. Well, our sermon today is about divine fiat, and I'll explain. Actually, the next three sermons, we're going to be looking at what God did for the human race, the faith response, which we'll see in Mary, the, the divine fiat we'll see from God, and then the faith response from Mary, and then the life um, to be lived by the Christian, which we'll look at the magnificat, or the magnify in Latin. So that'll be what's happening the next three weeks. And they probably want me to turn this on. Let's see, try that. I see nothing yet. So while we're working on that, <clears throat> got a new key fob for my, um, my dad's uh, Toyota uh, Sienna. And um, it's a 2020 vehicle. I'm thinking there's no way I can lock myself out, right? Wrong. <laughs> so, so I started it from the house like you do. That's why you get the key fob, right? So you don't have to go out and start it went in and turned the key on so that it could continue to run and be nice and toasty when I got in the car. Well, it was nice and toasty when I got in the car because it was about an hour later. <laughs> I locked myself out of the car. <clears throat> I called uh, AAA and uh, their automated system said it will be eight hours before someone comes to help you. <laughs> I'm like, I need to preach a sermon and uh, I could have gotten a ride, but you don't want to leave your car running in your driveway for many, many hours. <clears throat> so uh, that was my morning, but um, God is good. Someone came in about 40 minutes and uh, although I missed Sabbath school, I did make it for this sermon. Any slides coming? We are still waiting on the slides. There's the closing hymn. I can have you turn to Luke chapter one because we're going to be looking at the book of Luke. And if we don't get slides, then we shall do it without them. But I had a uh, health nugget that I really wanted to share with you. <clears throat> Some doctors that I know are experimenting with uh, black cumin seed. Anybody ever heard of that? Few, where's Brian? <laughs> I know he's heard about it. Um, but um, very interesting, it's, it's biblical, Isaiah 28, you can look up black cumin seed. And um, it's uh, got a lot of properties, it's, it's a respiratory uh, building uh, seed and has the very, you know, kind of a, strong uh, smell to it, cumin seed. And if we get our slides, then we shall see that. But in the meantime, uh, let's look at Luke chapter one, verse 26 and onward. A little background on the book of Luke. Obviously, Old Testament, then you have New Testament, 400 years in between. 
And several years ago, I did in this church, I, I just stood up here for one minute <clears throat> and was completely silent. Of course, all of you were looking, thinking, what, <laughs> what's going on with him? Uh, but imagine 400 years of silence. No miracles um, took place. No angelic visits. And all of a sudden, the New Testament comes and these these different uh, annunciations, these different angelic visits happen. And oh, what a way to end the silence of 400 years by the, the birth of Christ and the uh, prediction of that. And so that's what we're looking at in the book of Luke. Of course, Luke uh, written to most excellent Theophilus that he might know the certainty of the things which had taken place. Luke, of course, was a, uh, a doctor, but certainly a tremendous historian and theologian for that matter. All right, and so if we look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, and I have the King James rendering this morning. It says this, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, we all know the story. And this, of course, is the sixth month of the, the uh, <clears throat> pregnancy of Elizabeth. And so now we have this story of Mary. Just a small town peasant girl, you could call it, right? And the town was nothing really fantastic either. And so you have Mary, uh, who is uh, at the beginning of this story with this second angelic visit. And Mary, so we're kind of looking at <clears throat> Mary in terms of, what shall I say, uh, salvation. Mary was much like us, right? She was a lot like us. Mary was a sinner in need of a savior. Now, I, I don't want to, I don't want to over, you know, you know usually the pendulum doesn't come back to the middle, right? It's either one side or the other. Um, Mary, some, some folk um, pray to Mary and so forth. Well, I think that's way over on one side of the spectrum, right? But, but I think to completely ignore the specialness of Mary is the other side, right? I think, I think there's, a, there's a middle ground there. <clears throat> but Mary was a sinner who needed a savior. That's what she said in her Magnificat, right? She said, oh, I magnify the Lord, um, and I rejoice, I have rejoiced in God my savior, she said. And so Mary was like us. She was a sinner in need of a savior. I think we'll just skip the slides today. <clears throat> so this is what Mary was, right? She was a sinner like us in need of a savior. She was, if you look at the whole picture of Mary, she was under the condemnation of the law, right? At least after, uh, you know, she was betrothed to Joseph, which was a, really kind of a binding contract back in those days. Uh, they hadn't had any relations together, but to, to 
take away a betrothal, uh, you'd have to have a, a signature of divorce. So it was a very serious thing. And so Mary, you know, Joseph decided to what? Put her away privately. What was the thing that could have been done to her? Stoning, right? She was under the condemnation of the law. She deserved death. So do we, right, as sinners. I'm I'm wanting you to enter into Mary's. Mary's story is your story when it comes to salvation. I want you to see this. She was a sinner in need of salvation, under the condemnation of the law, uh, deserving of death. And she was absolutely incapable of doing what the angel was saying was going to come, right? That's why she said, how, (laughs) right? Maybe her question should have been, why, (laughs) first? But it was how, how? I mean, there's plenty of historical precedents, right, for cases in the Old Testament where there were miraculous births, but was there ever a miraculous birth without the seed? No, right? There were people that were beyond childbearing years, couples that ended up having children, but not without a seed. So this is a tremendous, amazing story that we have here of Mary. She was, uh, as I said, a sinner in need of a savior, one who was incapable of producing what God had called her to do. You and I are sinners in need of a savior, incapable of producing righteousness in and of ourselves. Amen? And so you could say Mary, her soul was sinking beneath the murky waters of chaotic uncreation. Go with me to Genesis chapter one. We'll come back here, keep your finger here. Because we're talking about divine fiat now. Um, Fiat meaning let it be, and it's in the imperative. Now, the next sermon I have is called Mary's Fiat in, in small letters because it's really not a fiat per se. We'll get to that because she does say, let it be unto me even as you have said, but that is a far cry from what God's divine fiat is, right? When he says, let it be, what happens? It is, right? It is immediately. And so that's what we see in the book of Genesis, right? In the, in the beginning of creation, and thank you, Lloyd, for that story. God said, it was, you know, you have darkness, right? You have, you have chaos, uh, without form and void. This is Mary, this is how Mary felt. This is us outside of God's great divine um, announcement, shall we call it, or his divine fiat, right? That's us in our salvation. We are without form and void, but God says, let there be light. And what happened? There was light, right? Let it be, let there be. That's God's divine fiat. It's a divine announcement. It's not dependent upon your goodness or lack thereof, right? It's God doing something outside of you, for you, before you. As it's called in the Latin, extra nos. It's it's outside of you. That is what God has done for each of us at the cross, amen? God has made a divine fiat, a divine announcement of justification. Now, will you take that justification by faith? 
That's the whole essence of the gospel. It's the whole essence of the three angels' messages found in Revelation 14, 6 through 12. Well, back to this story. Let's go back, Luke chapter 1. We really didn't do much in Genesis, did we? Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and onward. So you get this situation. Mary's this sinner in need of a Savior. We are this sinner in need of a Savior. But God announces good news. He does it through a messenger, divine messenger here. I do have my slides. I may just skip, skip, skip past many things if they will forward at all. Okay, uh, <clears throat> well that, that answers that, uh, that question. <laughs> Back to Luke chapter one and verse 26. I'm gonna read the whole passage through for you and then come back, you've got it now? Uh, they will forward, okay. <clears throat> You know, I wonder if this thing is also having issues, Chuck, maybe. It's on. It's definitely on. Ah, there we, there we go. All right, so there's Luke. Um, so theologian Howard Marshall wrote a book. I read it when I was in seminary on Luke. Apart from the Apostle Paul, Luke, think about it, Luke is arguably the most influential force in the canon of the New Testament, right? When you took, take Luke and you take the book of Acts, those are two really long books. And they cover all the way from the birth of Jesus all the way to the imprisonment of Paul in Rome. Uh, so, so, so sort of the, the, the timing and the background in which Christ was born it was a very low point in Earth's history. Through heathenism, Satan had for ages turned men away from God. But he won his greatest triumph in perverting the faith of Israel. By contemplating and worshiping their own conceptions, the heathen had lost a knowledge of God and become more and more corrupt. So it was with Israel. So this was the time in which Christ is born, right? It's a, it's a dark time. Uh, really a time of darkness. The principle that man can save himself by his own works lay at the foundation of every heathen religion. This is very important. It had now become the principle of the Jewish religion. And so Christ came to break that whole um, uh, theory or philosophy into. Satan had implanted this principle, wherever it is held, men have no barrier against sin. Isn't that interesting? When you think you can save yourself, you really have no barrier against sin. Why? You're not depending on the only one that can save you from sin. This is from a book called Desire of Ages, tremendous book on the life of Christ. And a little later in that same book, it says this, through every age, through every hour, the love of God has been exercised towards the fallen race. Notwithstanding the perversity of men, the signals of mercy had been continually exhibited. This is God's, God's grace, right? His, his, his general grace poured down upon the world. But 
it would get even better. When the fullness of time had come, the deity was glorified by pouring upon the world a flood of healing grace that was never to be obstructed or withdrawn till the plan of salvation should be fulfilled. Oh, what a God who never would give up on us. And he comes especially near, right? All the other heathen religions, and then the Jews took it too and said, no, no, Christ is afar off, he's, he's way off. And then more recently, you know, someone has to get in between you and God, you and Jesus, whether it's Mary or whatever other um, mediatrix uh, has to be in there. But God says, no, Jesus is near. I am near. And this is what Christ came to prove, to show us the character of the Father. And we looked at this. <clears throat> God said, let there be light. Of course, in, first, in John, not 1 John, John 1, 9, it's speaking of Jesus, it says, he is the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He didn't ask your opinion on that. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. This is divine love. Was it done for you? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Before you did anything for him. And again, not counting your goodness or your badness, God did this. Christ came and died, became the sacrifice for a lost race. He redeemed a lost race. And he did it for you. He is the savior of all men, especially those who believe. That's 1 Timothy 4, 9 through 11, uh, right in there. That he is the savior um, of all men, especially those that believe. So, of course, there's a special um, thing that believers enter into. And so, indeed, it was for you there in Gethsemane where the full moon shone through a cloudless sky and Jesus sweat great drops of blood for you. He was carrying your sins. Your sins were crushing him out. This now was, of course, near the end of what we call the kenosis or the coming down of Christ. We're looking in this part of the year at the incarnation, right? When he came down to be a baby, but he didn't just come down to be a baby. He did that and lived a perfect life. But he also died the death that you and I deserve. All this without any asking your opinion, right? It was divine fiat. He did it. Now, will your heart be touched? Will your heart be gripped? Will you accept it by faith? That's another thing. I pray that you will, and I pray that you have. All right, so we are at, um, as we're going through here, verse 28. We looked at Mary and a little bit of her background. But look at what was actually announced to her, divine fiat to Mary. In verse 28, And the angel came to her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And, of course, this was extremely troubling, um, to her. 
She was troubled at his saying, verse 29 says, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said, fear not. Of course, every time an angel appears, the three annunciations, the first thing that happens is the people are petrified. (laughs) Then the angel says, don't fear. And then he gives the message, fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus, and he shall be great. And he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob, Israel, forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then, of course, that question, Mary is just in shock. How? How can this be? Seeing I do not know a man. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing shall be born unto thee, shall be called the Son of God. Behold, even your cousin Elizabeth is in her sixth month, having conceived in her old age. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be what? Impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. And then uh, the angel departs from her, verse 38 Mary said, uh, actually, I don't want to go there. Let's, let's hold that. That'll be next week. <laughs> Mary's response, because that's the faith response that you and I need to do when God says, I've redeemed you. I've died for you. I am yours. Our response needs to be, let it be even as you have said. Amen. And that is justification by faith. But this is the divine fiat Hail, delight in God's grace, Mary. You are highly favored. You are greatly graced. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, every object lesson fails somewhere, right? And obviously, there are differences between what happened in Mary and our salvation experience. But there are a lot of parallels, and that's what I want us to look at. Uh, We, too, are to delight in God's grace. We, too, have been greatly graced. The Lord is with you or near you. Do you ever feel like the Lord is far, far away from you? Well, that may be the time that he is actually nearest to you. Amen? Uh, You know about the footprints in the sand, right? Where were you, God? Oh, those were the times when I was actually carrying you. (laughs) Exactly. So we, too, are. she was blessed, right? Well spoken of. You know, we do a lot of self-talk to ourselves and it's usually pretty negative, isn't it? Oh man, I'm this, I'm that. But God speaks well of you. You are blessed. Ephesians 1, something that each of us can know is ours forever. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are accepted in the beloved Before you did anything, you can't earn it, you can't get away from it. (laughs) It's yours. He did it for you. So you too are blessed. Mary found favor or grace with God. And so that is her experience. That is our experience, right? We're to look at the cross, 
the amazing sacrifice made on our behalf, what God did outside of us, before us, without our permission. And then we need to give him permission for that to become truly alive in our lives. Amen? This works when it wants to. (laughs) But not when I want it to, unfortunately. All right, we will, uh, ah, okay. Okay, so that, that, uh, that verse 37, is it, where it says <clears throat> that nothing is impossible with God? Uh, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Actually, the, the Greek says no word is impossible. Isn't that interesting? With God, no word, right? When he says it, it is. None of his words are impossible and nothing with him is impossible and he needed to tell her that right because what was happening was impossible <laughs> i mean humanly speaking but oftentimes we take the we take natural law and sort of separate it from god god's over here and he's up here but then there's cause and effect and there's all this natural stuff which he just yeah he put it there but then he just sort of stepped away no 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 Cause and effect is how God normally does things. But he's not separate from those things. He's still in charge of all of that. It's him. Nothing with God is impossible, Mary. Congregation, nothing with you is impossible. Amen? God's righteousness can be yours fully and completely. You can live a life of peace in your own souls. Now, you may not have peace with the world. Um, there may not be peace in your home. There, I, I pray there is, but, <laughs> but one thing, you can have peace right in here, amen? Because that you and God control. Nothing is impossible. God can do the impossible. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, next week, we look at the faith response. Because there's what God said to all of us. By the way, that text in Isaiah says, come back uh, because I have redeemed you. Let me just read that and then we'll, we'll close with that. That's where we started. Isaiah 44, I don't want to get it wrong here. <clears throat> 44, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, as a cloud thy sins return to me for I have redeemed you. Okay, so it's not, okay, if I, if I can find God, you know, where are you, God? If I can find him, then he'll, re- no, no. He says, return to me, for I already have redeemed you. The redeeming is the motivation for the returning, amen? And so that should be our uh, modus operandi, right? That should be how we run our lives. We've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Let us return to God in the fullness of this life that he wants to give us and the life to come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your divine fiat that you said something about us, that you did something for us outside of us. Oh, Father, and it wasn't just Jesus down here trying to pay you off. Oh, no, that's not the way it works. You, Father, were in Christ, reconciling the world to yourself, Corinthians tells us. Oh, what a wonderful thing that you would come down and be the Savior of mankind, the Redeemer, redeeming the race. And oh, Lord, 
May we accept that redemption by faith and walk in the victory that has already been gained for us by Christ Jesus our Lord who lived a perfect life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve. We thank you and we praise you for being our God today and we accept and receive your great salvation in Jesus' name, amen.